In your Bible, Psalm 127, are you there? Happy Father's Day. And I want to talk to you today for just a little bit about hitting the mark. Hitting the mark. You know, the emphasis is on dads today. And you know, I know that not everybody's experience with dads has been the same. That's why we sang the song, We Have a Good, Good Father. Nevertheless, there is a, an attack on the family today. And I want to address that attack for just a little while and inspire not just fathers that presently have children in their homes, grandfathers that are helping their, their children raise grandchildren, but future fathers. Fathers who are sitting here, are men who are sitting here knowing that one day in their life will be that responsibility. In addition to that, the Word of God has so much to say about this. And were it not for such a ferocious attack on the family, uh, I, I don't know that it would deserve this much time. But Satan is attacking the family, and it's subtle. It's so subtle, there are men in our church that probably thought, I don't need that retreat. I'm doing good. It's all good. You know, hey, my kids and I, we're great. No problem. It, listen, hey, that is a lie of the devil. To think that you're okay, everything's fine, no problems, we're good, I don't need any help. It's the most dangerous position, philosophy you can have about any area of your Christian life. Let him that standeth take heed lest he fall. We should all realize that Satan has a bullseye on our chest. He wants to destroy our families and destroy our children. And what we think is good today could be destroyed tomorrow. We must protect it. And as a result of that, we devoted this entire weekend to men. Hollywood is ridiculing the family. It's it's amazing. They're mocking marriage. Devoted fathers and mothers, as far as Hollywood is concerned, are dinosaurs. In fact, it's almost uncomfortable in some churches to get up and just talk about traditional marriage, man and wife, husband and wife. It's like mom and dad. It's like, are you serious? You guys still address it like that? I mean, be careful because, you know, not everybody looks at marriage anymore like that. Even, Even churches will ask you to back off from taking just a biblical approach. And you're probably not shocked by that. To be honest, it's, it's, it's all over. It's, it's becoming something that is very mainstream. Dads are mocked. If it is a religious dad, he is mocked on steroids. I mean, your dads in general are mocked, but I mean, if you're a saved religious church-going dad, you're just a complete buffoon. That's the way the world defines us. So in talking about families, I cannot overestimate the importance of dads. I can't. It's impossible to make too big a deal of it. It's impossible for me to preach with any less than 100% of my being because fathers are so important. Look at Psalm 127. I'll read this to you. Except the Lord build the house. I should have read it differently. Except the Lord build the house. They labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city. The watchman waketh, but in vain. It is vain. It's a waste of your time for you to wake up early, to sit up late, eat the bread of sorrows. For so he giveth his beloved sleep. Children are a heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. Pay attention to this. As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of the youth. Comparison there. Just like an archer has 
arrows that he shoots with his hand. So dads have children that they are training to project into the world. Happy is that man who hath his quiver full of them. They shall not, his children shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with the enemies in the gates. What is God saying? God is saying, first of all, that children are like arrows. He's saying that dads are like archers. Dads are like mighty warriors. I mean, just for a minute, if you were thinking you were a little weak this morning, coming in here a little frail, wondering, am I really important and significant? Dude, God says, man, you're a warrior. I don't know about you, but I just went into another, I went to another level just now. I mean, I, I went from about a seven or eight in excitement in th- to, to 10 or 11. I'm a warrior, according to God. That's who he calls me. That's how he sees me. And who are children? Children are to be arrows in the hand of of a father, of a mighty warrior called dad. So the implication is this. When dads learn to shoot straight, the kids are going to hit the mark. So how do we hit the mark with our kids? How do we help our grandkids hit that mark? How do we, as God's people, help kids without fathers? The children that just left, many of them, to go to their class, whose parents will never come to church, many of them raised in homes that are highly dysfunctional. How do we help them in one hour a week? I mean, this is what we're talking about. How can we help our kids hit the mark? Well, you see, the arrow is no more effective than the warrior who shoots it. The arrow is no more effective than the warrior who shoots it. The bow is not much better than the man who holds it in his hand. And therefore, we've got to address the title, Hitting the Mark with Our Kids. And so let me give you some principles here, straight from the Word of God. These are so fun. First of all, the archer must be strong. Now, let me tell you what I'm talking about, according to the Word of God. Look at verse 4 on the screen. Let's blow it up. It says, as arrows are in the hand of a what? Mighty man. Yeah, mighty man. I mean... So are children of the youth. In other words, God is asking you and I, men, here to be mighty men. Not just physically strong, although I do believe we should be strong physically. I think men are to protect their wives. We are to protect our families physically against harm. Some dads are using their physical strength to hurt their families. What a shame. You're a coward. Any man that would lift his hand against his wife ought to be shot. Excuse me. I exaggerated slightly but he ought to be at least put in jail. But a man that's strong is a good thing. If he's mighty, if he's strong physically, but what about strong spiritually? God is saying here, he's looking for spiritual men. It takes strength to use a bow and arrow. Has anybody here used a bow and arrow before? Raise your hand if you've used one. Wow, that's incredible. I was surprised in the first service, had a pretty good crowd. And we had about half the crowd as well. A lot of people have used it. I've, I've not used one. I have one time picked it up and with a friend and pulled it back. And like, dude, this, I, no, I, that's dangerous in my hands, okay? I could kill somebody. I don't know what I'm doing. And it, was, it, it took a lot of strength. And I thought, this takes skill. 
It takes strength to use a bow and arrow. It takes skill to use a bow and arrow. It takes practice to use a bow and arrow. It takes determination. No wonder God chose that skill to illustrate to us the skill it takes, the practice it takes, the determination it takes to be a dad, to be a good father, to be a mighty man. The same is true about a good dad. Someone has said to be a good man is difficult. To be a good husband is more difficult. But to be a good father is the most difficult. I would have to agree. My responsibility as a dad is huge. It is to shape. It is to sharpen. It is to shoot my arrows at the enemy. Just as someone would take, an archer would take his arrows to shoot That is what we are doing. We are taking our children and sharpening them and and shaping them with the time that we have, putting them while they're in our hands, while they're in our care. They won't always be there, but while they are, we're to take the time to shape and sharpen them. You know what my goal in life is? You know, sometimes I feel as if it's real easy for people in a church to think that the goal in life of a pastor would be to be a good pastor. I mean, what higher achievement, what higher title to be a pastor? You know, I used to probably deceivingly think that was true. And so I spent a lot of time away from my family, traveling, building this church, coming in late, missing dinner, missing supper, deceived into thinking that this was my greatest identity, which it wasn't true. Neither is my greatest achievement and goals in life and ambition to be a great preacher. Honestly, I, 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 I like to preach. I, I'm thankful for it. I enjoy it. But my highest ambition in life is to be a husband and a dad. And it's not even close. The highest ambition is to be a husband and a dad. I mean, we are not talking just about physical strength here, but about spiritual strength to be a mighty man of God. And to get this in order and to understand the calling of God in your life is huge. Number two, the archer must be strong. The arrows must be straight. Children are not born straight arrows. How about it? (laughs) Oh, man. It's crazy, isn't it? They're not born straight. In fact, yesterday, if you came to the men's retreat, and some of you did, you remember that scene with the archer. Remember that, Joe? The scene with the archer. And he had all these sticks. They were just sticks. They were sticks. But yet, they showed how this archer took the time to take the stick to make it a bow, to to make it an arrow to shoot in a bow. And it was powerful. The things they do, the sharpening, the, the, the whittling away, the sanding down. I mean, it was a lot of work to make one arrow prepared to shoot. Such it is with raising children. Sticks and twigs are not arrows. They have to be made straight. We must shape and sharpen and shoot the arrows that God has put in our hands. In our hands. They are in our hands, by the way. Let's look at Ephesians 6, 4 on the screen. And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the two key words here, very key words, very important words, nurture and admonition. 
It's the key words in that verse because that's the responsibility the father has to raise his kids in the nurture. What does nurture mean? Ready? Ready for that? Discipline. Uh-huh. Discipline. Takes discipline. You know what admonition is? That's a little simpler. Teaching. Bring your kids up with a lot of discipline and a lot of teaching. Colossians 3.21 warns us not to provoke our children to wrath because if, if we fly off the handle and don't take time and, and constantly throwing that temper tantrum like a child. You know, when I was a child, I spake as a child. I, I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. I don't throw temper tantrums anymore. And when I do, I'm a child. When I throw fits, when I fly off the handle, when I lose my cool, when I do, as Butch mentioned, judgment before mercy. I'm acting like a child. And so God says, listen, you need not provoke your children to wrath because they're going to get super discouraged. These kids are killing themselves, committing suicide, running away from home, or ditching church when they turn 18. Why would they want to have anything to do with that kind of religion? You see what I'm saying? So, so, so the arrow must be straight. The mark of, of success for dads is to have spiritually sharp and, and emotionally straight arrows. Spiritually sharp and emotionally straight. And that comes from nurture and admonition. So while the arrow is in your hand, you have a responsibility. Don't give it up. It's in your hand for a short period of time. Don't give up your responsibility. Let me read you this. Many are giving it up to like the television, just, you know. The television spends more time with our kids than we do. Listen to this. No longer does he need to sit in your big easy chair and listen while you read Jack and the Beanstalk because now there's a professional storyteller called the television. It doesn't doze off or become impatient. You can work those few extra hours in the office earning a little more money so your children can have a bigger television. You can now put him into the hands of a professional educator who will have him from 8 a.m. in the morning till 3 p.m. five days a week. And he can tell him about the birds and the bees and he'll give him sex education there. You will have then more time to accumulate more things. You can work a few more hours and pay a professional to mow the lawn, wash the car. Your child won't have to learn discipline and responsibility. A professional can teach him how to play baseball and you won't have to stand with him in the driveway at dusk and show him how to hold a ball, a bat, or throw a curveball. No, no, don't worry about that. Because if you work a few extra hours, you can buy him whatever he wants. And with your extra money, you can go golf. And when he gets into high school, he'll have a guidance counselor. Of course, you can pay for that too. He'll give him ideas about his future. And you can take the extra money that you had for that and do something for yourself. A professional can teach him how to do, drive. And your extra money can buy him a new car. No need for you to get your hands greasy side by side in the garage. Have I read enough? I've read enough. That's garbage. Let me tell you something. There is no amount of money. There is no job worth your children. We saw a scene. I'll tell you, honestly, I hated that any man had to miss yesterday. I really did. There was a scene where a man was working till midnight on a 27 million job. And he was, he'd been working till midnight in this. It was powerful. It was so cinematic and oh, incredible. And, and he's, he's talking to his wife about how the kids won't miss him for the last three weeks. He's been working, you know, till, till midnight. 
And they have everything already. They have big house and big cars. And this janitor comes in. The janitor sees him there again and for the 27th straight night. And basically the janitor, to make a long story short, they have a conversation. And he says, uh, hey, listen, I, I know you don't see your kids very much. He said, listen, I, I know you're working. Got a $27 million job here. He said, I just wonder. And I, I came into $3 million. Kind of a strange story, but I, would you take a million dollars for your kid? Cash? Man turned around in his seat. You serious? He said, yeah, my wife and I, we've never been able to have kids. And man, we love to have one. I'll give you a million cash. The man looked at him. Said, my kids aren't for sale. But yes, they are. I guess you'd take 27 million for your kids. What would you take for your kids? What would you give them up for? job, more money. See, it doesn't make sense, does it? We don't mean that, but we do it. Our kids need us. Our kids need us more than they need the television, more than they need to be taught by people who don't know them and care for them like we do. You say, preacher, that's way too heavy. It's not too heavy. Satan hates our families and he's destroying them. And somebody's got to stand and say something. And that video is not enough for 35 men in our church to sit and see and me to let everybody else go without that kind of powerful, powerful teaching. Kids need dads. Don't pay someone to do what God wants you to do. Now, let me give you eight real quick ways how to shape and sharpen arrows. Number one, begin early. Begin early. Here's where it says it. In, in Proverbs 22.6, it says, Train up a child the way he should go. And when he's old, he'll not depart from it. Start early. Little children can be shaped early, early, early. Last night, we had a big Father's Day celebration at the house. It was awesome. You know, maybe we had kids over. Tiffany came with, you know, KJ and Bentley. And we had Mo there with Laney. And, of course, Gloria and all my kids. Great. Awesome. And uh, my wife kicked teriyaki steak. Woo! That's the best Father's Day gift anybody had. And um, so... So I'm, you know, I'm hanging out a little bit with, with, with KJ, and, and I'm like, deja vu. I mean, do you know why we need to train up our kids early? Here's why. Are you ready? You know why we need to do it early? You know why? Because they are curious. Here's what I heard yesterday 53 times. Why? Why? Why do they do that? What does that say? Why does it say that? Why are we doing this? Why are you counting? Why? 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 Asking Papa, they call me Papa already. I've got three grandchildren, almost. They call me Papa. Papa, why, 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 why? You want to be a godly man because I want to be able to tell them why. Because they're curious. They want to know. If, they, if I don't have the answers, they're going to get them somewhere. And their curiosity is going to go in places I don't want it going. What a response. Start early. Number two, be creative. There's all kinds of ways to teach our kids. Get creative with it. It's fun. It's exciting. You can do all kinds of things. Man, listen, you can teach and train kids. Uh, in, in, like yesterday, we mowed the lawn. And, and, you know, I got the weed eater out. And what happens is, uh, again, you know, 
KJ and Bentley, because they're a little older than Laney, and they're boys, so it's, it's fun, you know. And, and, and I mean, Laney's fun, but boys, you know, mow lawns and play sports. So they're out there, and, and what they want to know is, they want to know how to do that. Why am I having to pull that thing 15 times? Because it's flooded, kid. I flooded it. You know, I had to tell him I you know, made a mistake. I flood the thing every time. It's crazy. I don't know how to do it. Mo, would you please start this thing? I can't get it. Anyway, and so finally I got it going. I weeded it for about an hour. These kids, I mean, they're loving They're following me all around. I'm like, what is so fun about watching Papa weed eat? They're curious. It's creative. It's fun. Why are you doing that? Well, here's how you get around a corner, and here's how you replace the, the, the string, and it's so fun. You say, just throw them in front of a television. Really? I'll take weed eating any day. I'll take weed eating any day. It's 99 bucks for a weed eater at, at, at Lowe's. 99. Lasts you a long time. It's great. Great investment. Buy a weed eater and get out there with your grandkids and have a blast. It's fun. They think you're like the best. I mean, they think you're, I mean, Michael Jordan is nothing on the weed eater. Number three, work to build character. Now, most dads are working on sports and grades and health and popularity, but not character. Character can be defined in about 3,427 different ways. Let me give you just a few. Character is integrity. Character is contentment. Character is courage. It is courtesy. It's discernment, fairness, and friendliness. Character is generosity and gentleness. It's helpfulness, honesty. Character is humility. Character is kindness. It's obedience, patience, and persistence. Character is self-control, thankfulness, wisdom, and zeal. And that, my friend, is what we ought to be teaching our kids. So here's my question. Who is teaching your kids that? Who? Because that's character. So identify and put a name next to who's teaching them that or is anyone. Because here's the thing. This is what is going to mold and make them into a, a young, mighty warrior for God. Teach them character. Because somebody is going to teach them something. Compliment them for these things. Don't just compliment them when they get a single or, or hit a three-pointer. Compliment them when they open the door for their mother. Compliment them when they clean their plate, eat all their veggies. Compliment them when they clean their room. Compliment them when they are kind to, the, to, to someone. That, blow that up. Because that's character. Number four, learn to set some limits. This gives your child security. You know, sometimes I think we just let things go way too soon. I mean, listen, can I just say this and say it one time and one time only? Dads, do you have any limits for your girl skirts? Any at all? I, I'm, I'm concerned. And so are some of the men in our church. It's just like, do, is there anybody that's watching how high these things are going? Because there's got to be boundaries. I mean, it's, if the next thing is like naked or panties, it's probably the boundaries way. Some, you say, well, you said too much. I, sorry. I've got a girl and she's got boundaries and limits. And I'm just not, she doesn't walk out of the house without daddy's. I, I just, that's, I've only got her in my hand for 18 years. And so learn to set some limits. Let me give you a verse. This is powerful. By the way, God said this about Samuel in judgment. So here's the thing. I know you just got really, you know, some of you might think, you know, oh, pastor got a little intense there. Okay, listen. 
that was kindergarten compared to this. I mean, it was like, you know, we're playing in a sandbox. That's what just happened. Now watch this. This is like train wreck. For I have told him that I will judge his house forever. For the iniquity, he knew better. His sons made themselves vile and he restrained them not. He had no limits. He never put his foot down. He was too afraid they'd get mad at him. And so he just let them do whatever they wanted to do. And he's going to be judged and his house forever. Feel better about my little deal about skirts? I didn't even tell you how short. I just said, set some limits. I mean, whatever you decide, I'm fine with. It's your kid. But, but set some limits. If limits are panties, then great. Just let me know. Hey, my daughter's coming over your house. She's got panties on. Okay. I, I, if you're good with that. You know why you're laughing? Because you know good and well. It's silly. It's silly. Set some limits. It's okay for you to be dad. It's okay sometimes when your kids don't like you. My kids don't like me sometimes. They still don't. And I'm like, you know what? One of these days you're going to call me and say, like I have to my dad and mom, sorry. <laughs> Man, I'm so frustrated right now. I know how you feel. Yeah, we knew it would happen one day. You know, it, it was worth it. was worth it. You know, assign responsibilities. Our children need work assignments. Teach them there's a link between success and work. Teach them. Teach them money management. Teach them responsibilities. Number six, let your home be filled with laughter. You know what you think after I just preached that? You think, man, poor Capace kids. Those poor kids. Joe, I, I really feel bad for you to have your uh, good night. Of course, he, he, he's never wore skirts. At least I don't think he has. <laughs> If anybody would, Joe would try it. I guarantee you for sure. <laughs> I'm joking. But can I tell you something? Before you jump to any conclusions, our home, it, listen, if it were not that my neighbors were Miss Yoshida on the, on the right or left, and then Joe and the Chinese boys on the other side, the cops would get called every night. And not for fighting, just for crazy fun. It's insane. We're like, people are coming in. We're laughing. We're having a good time. I mean, it's, it's insane. The house is like an explosion of laughter every night. Last night was crazy. I mean, we were having like races around the kitchen. I mean, I'm timing them, you know, counting. It's insane. We're cheering. I'm like, okay, guys, we need everybody to cheer while the kids are running. Let's get into this thing. Didn't I? It was crazy. Why? Because I want a home with laughter. Because scripture says this, look at it. It says, a merry heart maketh a cheerful countenance. But by bro- sorrow of heart, the spirit is broken. Quiet kids, I'm watching ESPN. Shut up. Really? Turn the TV off and go run around the kitchen table. It's fun. Next verse. The heart of him that hath understanding seeketh knowledge, but the mouth of fools feedeth on foolishness. More importantly, all the days of the afflicted are evil, but he that is of a merry heart hath a continual feast. Merry heart, merry heart, merry heart, merry heart. I didn't even have, I didn't even have to quote the verse. A merry heart doeth good like a medicine. That's a good one, but that's the one we always use. Merry heart is all through the Bible. And these guys ain't drunk. They're just happy. They're just happy. They just got Jesus joy. 
Nothing to do with alcohol. It's incredible. You can have a lot of fun without substance abuse. It's amazing. Number seven, let your kids see God at work in your family. Let them see God at work. Listen, don't miss church. In fact, on Sundays, let them see God at work. How do, what do you mean, God at work? I mean, like, you, you, it's Sunday, my favorite day of the week, kids. Let's go. Really? Yeah, that means God's at work. I mean, it's the Lord's Day, right? It's exciting. It's awesome. It's incredible. God's going to work. And then let them see God at work in your worship. Let them see that you really do love God, and however that looks. And then number eight, cover them in prayer. Psalm 127, except the Lord build the house, right? We got to cover them in prayer. You are the archer. The children are the arrows. The bow is prayer. Prayer sends them forth. Listen, you got to pray for your kids every day, every day, by name. Call them out. Never stop being a dad. Never stop praying. Number three, and I'm done. The aim must be sure. Now, what do I mean by that? The reason the aim must be sure is because the enemy is real. Amen? The enemy is real. If you don't believe me, just ask John Schroeder on the sheriff's department. You've seen it, brother. The enemy's real. It's out there. Our city is not some little church city. We've got a lot, of, a lot of problems in this city. And you know who's going to change this city? Our kids. Going out into the culture, invading the darkness. Not me. I'm keeping my kids. Listen, I'm going to protect them. They're not going to get out there. Arrows are not for collection. They're for projection. You don't collect arrows. You project arrows. Where do you project them? Right at the enemy. Right at them. Boom. Make a difference in the war. Do something for God. That's what an arrow is for. Notice it says here, it's amazing in Psalm 127. I've read this a million times. It never hit me until this week. But they shall speak with the enemies in the gate. They're going to speak to the enemies. Now, when I say enemies, I'm not speaking of in terms of some sort of, you know, we hate them, they hate It's not like that. The enemies meaning those that don't know Christ, the, those that are against what we're doing, but we're praying God will use us to help change the culture and change the outcome. Are you with me? They're enemies of God. By the way, everybody who's not saved is an enemy of God. That's just scripture. But not enemies in the sense that God hates them and they hate God. Enemies in a sense that, that anybody who is not a Christian, anybody who does not know Jesus as their personal savior is lost. None of condemnation. The only way we can change that is to, is to invade the culture with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. And so we can make a difference. And then finally, I'll read these to you and we'll be done. Number one, dads, ask God to make you a mighty man. Ask God to make you a mighty man. Number two, get to work shaping, sharpening, and seasoning your arrows. Get to work, guys. It's going to take time. Got to get to work. It's it's just, I, there's no other way I can put it. It's going to take work. You got to take time. You got to take a time out. You got to look at your schedule. You got to start getting things out. Number three, work on your skills at being an archer. Because it's tough. It, it takes, listen, I'll be the first one to tell you. I sat there yesterday in that men's retreat. And you can ask Nathan Day. I sat there and thought, dude. I wished I would have known some of this stuff 10 years ago. And I'm like the pastor who preaches. And I'm saying that. 
I wish I would have known some of these things. Man, I wish that video series would have come out 10 years ago. I could have been, I could have made some better decisions. Are you with me? So take, listen, it's, it takes a lot of work to develop skills. And then number four, would you think about what your aims are for your children? What are your aims? PhDs, master's degrees, lots of money, great athletes with scholarships. Really, is that your aim for your child? Well, I want what's best for them and that they can make. What about, what about the spiritual aims and the desire for them to, to live for God? You know, lately my daughter's been saying things like, Chloe's been saying things like this to me. She's been saying, you know, Daddy, um, when I get to the mission field, you know, I don't like that. <laughs> what are you talking about, girl? Well, you know, Africa or something like that. You know, I mean, God, I'm so glad we're going to the jungle, Dad. God may call me to the I'm like, I ain't saying this, but I'm not thinking, you ain't going to the jungle. <laughs> Crazy. You're my little girl. Well, as of right now, it looks like God's leading her with a passion for missions. I don't know where that's going to end up. Might have something to do with who she marries, if God has that for her. But here's the thing. I need to sharpen that arrow so if it does go to the jungles of Africa, she can invade the culture and know how to make a difference. And I got to be good with that because arrows are made to project. So dads, we got a big responsibility. They're God's children lent to us. Let's do the very best we can. Heads are about eyes are closed. Heads are about eyes. We're going to just give a quick invitation and I'm going to give you the opportunity to come if God has called you to pray and maybe others to worship. And yet still maybe others just may feel led because of the Holy Spirit's conviction to be saved. You know, seriously, there could be one here today that would say, Pastor, I've, I, I'm not a Christian. I've never accepted what Jesus did for me on the cross as payment for my sin. Well, God today calls you to that. He wants to save you. In just a moment, while we're singing, good, good father, amen, he can become your father. He will adopt you into his family. It's really cool how it happens. You literally become... As a result of following Jesus, a child of God, it's the greatest relationship in the world. It lasts forever. So today, if you'd like to make him your father, I want to ask you to come and and just let one of us know, Brother Doug, one of our elders, Brother Butch, another elder, myself. We'd love to just pray with you or at least start the conversation. And we can continue after church or this week. Whatever God has led you to do, if you need to come, you come. I'm going to pray. And you let God speak to you. Father, I love you. I thank you so much for the opportunity to share and to finish this great Father's Day weekend with a message from one of the greatest little chapters. What a gem. What a gem. Psalm 127. Thank you for children. Thank you, God, for making me a child of God. And I pray today that you work in this audience. In Jesus' name. Amen. Shall we stand?